Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the WWWs. It's good to have your company again. We're here every Saturday because we got to be, because we have to defend government schools. We are the defenders of government schools, D-O-G-S, that's why we're the dogs. Um, we always, every week, discuss the issues in Australia and around the world to do with public education. And every week, of course, we do this because it needs to be done. I have to keep saying it because we have to keep doing it. I wish we didn't. Um, It'd be nice to say we're not coming back next week because um, there is no discrimination against government schools and um, they've been funded appropriately. And um, the private school system has decided to give up the ghost and um, sell all their properties at a bargain basement price to the state school system so we can have all children educated in a free system. In a secular system, in a system that's universal for all. Now, the universal thing, um, I think it's interesting because when we're discussing later on in the program, I'll be talking about a very particular state school um, in our great state schools because it's a state school that doesn't actually exist, but it does. And it is the defining, it is the defining state school, to my mind, of Victoria. It's the school that takes kids from everywhere. It just doesn't care. Um, That, of course, we'll be talking about the Distance Education Centre of Victoria, which is run by the Victorian government, paid for by taxpayers, and they do an extraordinary job, which we'll be highlighting later in the program. But as we always have to do, before we get to all the good news and the wonderful things that state education is doing in Victoria, we have to highlight the issues and the problems that have come up, some of which have been highlighted this week by Trevor Cobold from the Save Our Schools organisation in Canberra. He's written... Yes, Trevor Cobold and the dogs have been fellow travellers for some time, but um, Trevor Cobold's positions on the funding of public schools in Canberra and around Australia have become more and more closer, more and more closer, it's terrible, it's terrible English, have become closer to a a greater degree than they have for many years because he's come out with a very interesting um, discussion paper called Public Schools Are Swindled by Billions Under the New Education Agreements put forward by the federal government. Now, as always, we start with the press release. And the press release, we had lucky enough to have Jean in the studio today. She's been tripping all over the place this year. But she's here in the studio, and she'll be letting us know what the dog's position is. Yes, here it is, press release 773. The Coalition ignores the public school vote at its peril. The Coalition, Morrison Government... In New South Wales, the Berejiklian government 
uh, faces its next election hurdle in New South Wales. Will this be a repeat of the Victorian bloodbath? That's what everybody's asking. If the latest treatment of public school interests is anything to go on, the result could be even worse. In a new analysis, which we talked about last week, Macquarie University researchers have found that the area in which a student goes to school is one of the clearest predictors of Year 5 NAPLAN reading scores, and this paints a stark picture of Australia's socio-educational divide. Crichton Smith, who we talked to on this program last week, admits that the results are confronting. Uh, He's the study's lead author and a PhD candidate at Macquarie University, as you found out last week. And he says that the evidence of gross and growing inequalities are particularly obvious in the Sydney metropolitan and country areas. Virtually no schools in any city's advantaged suburbs are below the national average, and almost no schools in disadvantaged areas are above average. Now, too much can be made of the NAPLAN and the My School data, and the dogs are happy to admit this, but it is very useful. And Adrian Piccoli, who used to be the Minister for Education in New South Wales, but is now uh, part of the Gonski Institute at uh, the University of New South Wales, um, has been quite critical of the Crichton research. He's saying, let's get rid of NAPLAN and My School or don't use it the way it's being used. However, rising inequalities in Australian education have been exacerbated by the special deals for private schools struck by the Coalition and their policies of the last 20 years. Not to mention state aid, which has been being given to private schools since 1964. So NAPLAN aside, The facts and figures of the inequitable funding arrangements can be laid squarely at the feet these days of successive coalition governments. Trevor Cobalt has produced a very damning new research brief at um, a particular website which we've given you. So if you go up to our website and look at this Uh, press release, you can find out all of the information that we're going to give you today uh, for yourselves. Indeed. The website Trent's referring to there is www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Sorry to interrupt there, Jean, because this is very interesting. The important thing is, of course, that Trevor Cobalt and the Save Our Schools and Dogs can do all the research in the world. But the question is, will the mainstream media take it up? For almost 50 years, the dog's research was ignored by the Fairfax Press. The Fairfax Press told Ray Nielsen when he produced the figures that Trevor Cobalt's now producing that they wouldn't touch them because they regarded the dogs as sectarian. The interesting thing is that Trevor Cobalt's figures are now seeing the light of day. And it's been given coverage and we've given you the uh, website too where you can go and see how what we're going to tell you today has been given coverage not only in the Fairfax media but also in the Canberra, Canberra Times. So the cat is out of the bag for the New South Wales Coalition Government whether they like it or not. Although they have a Christmas break 
in two months to persuade the aggressive public school vote in New South Wales that they just might be worth voting for. But I think they've got an uphill battle. Now, what is this damning information that's been released by Trevor Cobald? I'll just give you an idea. The public schools in New South Wales and in South Australia are going to be swindled by about $7.5 billion over the next decade under the new special deals incorporated in the education agreements that have recently been negotiated with the Commonwealth Government. A large amount of money comes through to state schools throughout Australia from the Commonwealth Government. And the loss to the New South Wales public school is about $6.1 billion over the 10 years and about $1.4 billion for South Australian public schools. And the public schools around the country are going to lose about $16.5 billion over 10 years if the swindles extended to other states. And this is very likely because the inclusion of similar provisions in other bilateral agreements would rob the public schools in Victoria of about $4.5 billion over the next 10 years, and the Queensland public schools by about $4.3 billion, and the Northern Territory public schools by about $393 million. So how is this swindle worked out? It's worked out by the way they get the actual cost per child in a public school. And this, dear listeners, has been going on for a long, long time. All of the costs, which aren't necessarily uh, public school costs or school costs themselves, are included in that figure because the education departments throughout uh, the states of Victoria don't only fund public schools. They fund other things as well. But I'll leave it to Robert to talk about this in greater detail. But before we go there, I'd like to give you just an idea of how people reacted in New South Wales when this information came into the public arena a few days ago. You have comments Not a great deal of comments on this, but there are comments in the Sydney Morning Herald on this particular, their particular article. It doesn't appear to have yet come into the age that I have tracked. Am I wrong there, Rich? No, 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 you are correct. My name's Robert. (laughs) I get, I have a number of R's in my life. Uh, Now, Mark Hayden, he's not an R from... uh, the Sydney Morning Herald in his comments said that it's sad that they can get away with it because it's technical. Maybe if the public were better educated with well-funded public schools, there would be much wider understanding of these technicalities that this swindle has um, turned up. Something that also seems to have been glossed over By 2029, more than a decade away, despite the use being made of this technical loophole, public schools will only be funded to 95% of the SRS. That's 75% from the state government and 20% from the federal government. Meanwhile, right now, 
In 2018, many richer private schools received government funding significantly above the SRFs. That's the resource standard. This is patently unfair and at a minimum the excess funding should be stripped from the private schools and redistributed to the public schools. Somebody else who calls himself Keep It Real says, private schools are guaranteed 80% of federal funding plus expenses covered by the state's public school funding. That's 25%. Another vote buying Ponzi from the deceitful liberal Nepocrats. So that doesn't all go terribly well for the uh, public school vote in New South Wales. And of course, New South Wales has the greatest number of children attending public schools in Australia, I think, with perhaps the exception of Tasmania. Rob of 1966. Interesting, this isn't you, is it, Robert? Because no. you were born in 1966. Well, you were there. So Catholic schools, Rob 1966 says, get a massive slush fund to spend how they like while discriminating against LGBTI students and teachers and public schools are, once again, shortchanged. Tell me again who it is the Liberal government support. And Rob E says, so the Catholics get millions with no questions asked Now we know where it's coming from. Bruce says, We wonder about religious extremists and terrorism, but seem to have no problem with religious lobbyists and religious politicians running our public education system into the ground. The objective seems to be forced religiosity as they consistently think of new ways to defund secular education. I wonder if BGA grants will be included in federal education calculations. Have you ever wondered why the private school on the hill has a new science and administration wing Well, why your public school has a new prefab? I sure have. Forced inequality will be the end of the society I love, not terrorists. And Fizzy Beer... Don't Mention Corruption reacted to the New South Wales report on the Trevor Cobalt swindle as follows. I'm beginning to like this generation of students and as they have found a voice on climate change with their strike action, perhaps they will start demanding better conditions at public schools. It is their lives we are trying to control instead of enhance. Fair Dinkum Mate says, where's the line? Schools need electricity and water to operate. Should some of the funding of these services be attributed to the state share of the SRS? What about roads? You can't have a school if you can't get to it, right? Fire brigade? A school's no good if it burns down. Police? Obviously, without security, a school can't run. He's saying there, well, are they going to put all of the expenses for this into the education budget, SRS calculation too? How about we vote in government, state and federal, that are interested in all kids rather than their particular particular lobbyist sector and set up a system that ensures a level playing field for all? If it's the state's responsibility to run education, then the federal government needs to allocate money to the states and let them decide how to use it, not try and bypass 
them by allocating money directly to their voters' lobbyists' preferred choices. Oh, really? reacted. What happens when you support a Liberal Party government? Inequality, haves and have-nots, those entitled and those who are not. And the buck stops here, says, looks for all the world like this was a deliberate and underhand move. And the coalition was probably hoping that nobody would notice. We just can't trust them with anything good. Now, unless I'm mistaken, every comment that came into the Sydney Morning Herald in response to the report on the swindle for public school funding is anti-coalition government. But just exactly what was this swindle? We'll have a bit of music and Robert will come back to enlighten you.
welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. That's a bit of Greg for you to calm you all down after what Jean was telling you about. I'm going to fire you up in a minute, but that's um, that's the morning. The morning from Pig in Suite Number 1, Opus 46. Uh, it's played by a bunch of really nice people in Germany. Um, it's the Philharmonic Slavonic Orchestra, so it's in eastern Germany. They're, they're, they're kicking through a bit of music there. It's nice to calm ourselves down. I think we'll have some more of that because what I'm about to tell you is going to get you fired up. Um, Trevor Cobalt has finally done the figures. In fact, I want to say finally. Um, Trevor Cobalt's always doing good figures, but he's come across something which, is, as Gene says, has been going on since the 70s. It's really very simple. Um, private schools jump up and down, and they have been lately, a lot, saying, you better give us what we want or we'll make sure you don't get elected, um, to both major political parties, both the Labour and Liberal Party, and indeed the National Party, because they're well, in coalition. Well, they didn't get elected, did they? Um, well, it's all rather interesting, isn't it? But this is, this is, these are the tropes. Uh, the bishops of the Catholic Church and the various representatives of the independent schools saying, you better give us what we want to run our schools, otherwise we'll make sure you don't get elected. That's the way politics works in Australia. Um, it's kind of simple, I suppose. But there's a couple of things that um, you need to know. Firstly, as they say, well, whenever you give a dollar to a public school, we want a dollar for our school. Now, sometimes public schools need a dollar because they need a dollar to educate the kids in a free, universal and secular way. Um, and, the part, and the private schools, well, we want a dollar as well. And the government goes, yeah, but you've got a lot of rich kids. They don't need a dollar. How about we, how about we give them 50 cents instead, you know, just, just to shut you up? And the, uh, the private school says, no, 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 no. Give us, give us 90 cents. Give us 90 cents for every dollar you give to the public schools. And, they, and anyway, it, it works out for, for one reason or another that on average, for every dollar that goes to a, private, a public school in Australia, about 95 cents goes to a private school, be, be they rich or poor. But this is not, this is not the scam. Trevor Cable is saying, let's look at the dollar. Let's look at the dollar that goes to the public school. How do they work that out? How do they work out what what this dollar is supposed to pay for? Now, what happens is that dollar goes to the public school, but not all of it gets to the school. It's given to the school, but not all of it gets to the school. So, for instance, in the deal that the South Australian government has done with the federal government about funding of public schools, there's things like capital depreciation. There's things like the expenditure for transporting kids to and from schools. Um, there's things that relate to setting up an examination standards board, you know, for the exams that kids do, and the expenditure on, on the education certification board. And so, for instance, in South Australia, all of these costs add up to around about $200 million a year. So that's a lot of money. Now, that money, that $200 million, which does not go to the school, it goes to the examination board, it goes to the certification board that makes sure that teachers have proper qualifications, it goes to the bus companies, which ferry the kids backwards and forwards to the schools, and it goes to the depreciation costs, which are actually a, a very large, about $100 million just in South Australia a year alone. None of this money actually goes to the state school. And so if you do the figures, and Trevor Cobold has... The dollar figure that private schools are using to calculate how much money they get, because every dollar that goes to a public school, we want a dollar for us, the dollar goes directly to the private school, but the dollar that goes to the public school has all of these expenses taken out. They never arrive at the school, so the state school's left with 
I don't know, about 70 cents. So for the dollar, inverted commas, that goes to the state school, only 70 cents arrives at the school door. The other bits of money go to places where, quite frankly, it's needed. I'm not resentful that, that, that there is a, a teacher certification authority that's working very well because I want to make sure that in state schools that we don't have the horrible things that have happened in private schools go on in our state schools. Some of these extras also are used by the private schools themselves, you understand. The well, well, indeed. Board and so on. Mm. Uh, now, in the old days, it also used to be the public libraries were in, and, in this figure as well. And, and a indeed, lot of other things And well. indeed, the cost of setting up the whole NAPLAN thing, which we which, 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 which refer... This all comes out of the dollar that goes to the state school. So the fact that the expenditure for depreciation, school transport, border studies, qualification authorities and NAPLAN were excluded from the national measure of school funding, there was a good reason for this. They were excluded. There are, they are not income and they're not benefits received by any state school that is available for expenditure relating to the ongoing operating costs of what goes on in that school. Therefore, they are not part of the SRS as the recurrent income needed by those schools to achieve education success for all children. Although... <laughs> They are included when it comes to working out how much a private school gets. So this is the scam that Trevor Cobalt's jumping up and down about. Now, how much does it cost? Well, this means that private schools are functionally being, fund- functionally being funded at a much higher level than public schools. With taxpayers' money alone. With This is... I'm not talking about parental contributions. I'm not talking sarcastically about all those parents that are sacrificing for their school fees and all that sort of stuff. I'm just talking about government money. Now, if I was talking about this going on in some country that wasn't ours, I would use the word corruption. It's just obvious. This would be on the New York Times. Everyone would be talking about the horrible things going on in Pakistan or India or some third, third world country. Who knows where? But it's happening here, right now in Australia. Trevor's Cobble, Trevor Cobble's pointed it out. And it's borne out in what we were talking about two weeks ago when you look at similar schools across Australia, the private school and the public school in the same postcode, the private school is getting more money from the government than the public school. That's what we've got to. And on top of that, Scott Morrison says, here's an extra $400 million to shut you up and that will stop the debate. And the public of Australia are responding to this by voting out Liberal governments. So if I was a Liberal politician right now, I don't care if, um, if, if funding private schools is in my DNA as a Liberal politician. Um, I go to some gene splicer and get rid of it if I wanted to be re-elected. Mm. I really would, because you can make this a point of difference if you're a Liberal politician. If you're worried about Labor Party taking over government, support public schools... To the, if you're a liberal politician and you support public schools, your chances of re-election just skyrocketed, skyrocketed. Because the Labor Party, I know a lot of people think that they're left-wing, the Labor Party have not got a good record on this either. No, no, far from it. This corruption is bipartisan. The only people who jump up and down about this are people like Jane Carrow, who might be standing um, for, the, for, for the federal parliament. Um, the Greens used to stand up against this, but no, they've given up. There's very few people. I think the Reason Party were having a go, but even they backed away from it. Because this goes deep and systemically. This form of corruption goes deep into Australian culture.
I've said it more than once, and I'll say it again. Many people in Australia look at America and they think, what are they doing with guns? That's just weird. Why does everyone have guns and why can't you just get all these machine guns and semi-automatics and they're killing each other? Why doesn't someone just do something? And, of course, when you go to America, everyone says, look, look, just be quiet. Just That's just the way it is around here, all right? That's just, it's just the way it is. Stop talking about guns, all right? You're not going to change anything by jumping up and down because it's not going to change because that's just the way we do things in America when it comes to guns. People come to Australia and they look at the way we fund our education and you go, but that's just stupid. You are, def- you are increasing segregation. You are making the poor less educated. You are making the rich no, no more educated than they would have been otherwise. You're wasting your money. Like your dollars you're spending on this are just being just wasted. And it's a crazy social experiment. Why are you creating this stupid inequality and wasting the youth of Australia by giving them a poor education on purpose? It's mad. Why do you do that here in Australia? And any Australian will tell you. Left, right, up, down. Look, shh, that's just the way we do things around here. You can't go around criticising people who send their kids to private schools because you can't talk about that over dinner. People will just be very, very annoyed with you. Just shh, be quiet. So it's often said you can always spot the corruption in society by what you're not allowed to talk about. In America, it's guns. <laughs> in Australia, it's education. So speaking about America, we're going to go, I'm going to tell you something. Interesting things are happening in America because they have, under the rule or reign of of Donald J. Trump and Betsy DeVos, his education sector, they are privatising the heck out of their education system and some interesting things are happening, some significant pushbacks. teachers in Chicago are on strike. But before we have another break, I'd just like to say that for... At least 40 or 50 years, Ray Nielsen tried to get these figures out to prove that the actual figure that was used as the um, per capita for a government school child, for a public school child, included everything, the kitchen sink that the education department paid for, and uh, it was always an inflated figure. And for that reason, the private school figure has always been similarly inflated. But um, that's enough of our voices for now. Let's have some music. Yes, let's have some more Greek. Thank you. 
Donington presents Family Christmas at Central Park in Malvern East. Hosted by Lucy Durack with performances by Emily Williams and many more. This twilight concert offers a night to enjoy the park, carols and fun favourites. Christmas at Central Park in Malvern East. Sunday, December 9 from 6.30pm. See the City of Stoddington website for more details. A 3CR supporter. for a gift for the lefty in your life this Christmas? 3CR has a range of publications, clothing, CDs, wine and other products available online or from the station. New items include the 2019 How to Make Trouble and Influence People Diary, which features a radical event in Australian history for each day of the year, as well as stories and images covering Indigenous Australian resistance, strikes, street art, convict escapes, creative direct action, blockades, protests and occupations. Also available is Fighting for Space Fighting for Our Lives, a collection of essays, photographs and first-hand accounts about the squatting movements from around the world today. And On the Fly, an anthology which features dozens of stories, poems and songs originally produced by American hobos from the 1870s to the 1940s. Sale of these publications all help keep 3CR on air. For more information or to make a purchase, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Yeah, welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Yeah, if you want a Christmas present, that's the place to go. Oh, I'm getting that diary myself, so you better hurry up. I'm going to buy them all. <laughs> nah, that sounds great. Uh, that was before um, In the Hall of the Mountain King from Bitter Greg, Bitter Pig Against Street. Fire us up as we move our way over to America, um, where I was promising we'd go. I'm not going to talk about guns anymore. We're going to talk about education. Now, one of, the, one of the really simple things you do, if you are really sick and tired of those pesky unions getting people together and um, doing the right thing for themselves and everyone around them, what do you do? Well, you privatise something. So if you've got a school and you've got all those pesky teachers wanting to do all the teaching good and, you know, do all that educating of the kids real, real nice, um, if, you, if you want to stop them doing that, you, you have to break the union. How do you break a union? Well, you break a union by privatising the employer. So you're not employed by the state, you're not employed by the people, you're employed by a private company who has shareholders which it is beholden to and it has a profit motive and off you go. So in America, that's what they've been doing. There's been backwards and forwards and toing and froing. And in America, they call private schools charter schools. It's a school that's chartered to educate. And in charter schools, they make sure that none of the teachers are in a union. Oh, no, no unions here. This is just a company. No, we'll do the right thing by you if you do the right thing by us. You want to join a union? Oh, I'm afraid you've been made redundant. Bye. Here's someone. Do you want to be in a union? No? Good. There's a new job for you. Pretty simple stuff. This is, this is, this is not new. I'm not talking radical sort of socialist politics here. I'm saying if you want to break a union, privatise the employer. But, and here's the but, after a while, if the services you deliver are so rubbish... <laughs> That your union starts, your 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 workers start to organise themselves. Now, when workers start to organise themselves, you can call that a union, and that's what's happened in Chicago. It's come full circle. In Chicago, just recently, over five hundred educators began the, first, the in America, the United States' first strike at private school networks. 
and it started on Tuesday, this just last week, shut down 15 schools and ser- that served more than 7,000 children. The teachers who went on strike are part of the Acaro Schools Network. So, okay, they have school networks rather than sort of what we have, you know, they... It's like the Independent Schools Board in Australia or whatever it is. The Acara Schools Network. And they rallied at local schools to call for higher pay, to call for smaller class sizes, amongst many other demands, most of which have to do with the effective education of children. Okay, so these greedy teachers want more pay and they want smaller class sizes, I'm sure. They just might want to pay the mortgage so they can have... A roof over their heads, the same as Australian teachers do, Robert. Well, indeed, the action of the latest mass teaching protests um, in a year when educators have closed ranks in places where organised labour has historically been weak. First in the six conservative or swing states around America where teachers walked out of classrooms and now in the charter school sector where unionisation is, is, is almost non-existent. So there's no unions. This is just the teachers getting together. So we're not putting up with this. All the picket lines have formed out of a dispute over public dollars, okay, not private dollars, public dollars, whether the education funding is adequate or what percentage of the money should go towards educator pay and classroom resources versus other costs that don't relate. So this is public money going to private schools but not necessarily to educating children. Now, Martha Baumgarten, the fifth-grade teacher at the Carlos Fuentes Elementary School in the Acaro Network and a member of her union's bargaining committee, said... Everyone is feeding off each other and hearing this rallying cry, she says. A lot of this comes down to lack of funding. But teachers across the country are seeing each other stand up and say, it's not okay. We are not going to support budgets and politics as usual. Now, charter schools, like private schools in Australia, are funded by taxpayers, but independently managed by non-profit organisations like Acaro or by for-profit companies. Educators at Acara earn up to $13,000 a year less than their counterparts in traditional public schools in Chicago. So they're just getting paid less. So why do they want to get paid more? They just want to get paid a wage. They want to get paid a wage of a teacher, like a teacher in a school and stuff. In fact, they're paid so little that they can't actually afford to live comfortably in the increasingly expensive place, that is Chicago, according to the Chicago Teachers Union, which, and this is the interesting thing, these teachers have joined at risk of getting sacked from their private company, they've now rejoined the Chicago Teachers Union. Now, what does the chief executive of Acaro, Richard Rodriguez, say about this? Well, he's earning $260,000 a year to manage 15 schools. Um, it's a similar salary to Janice K. Jackson, the chief executive of Chicago Public System, but Mr. Rodriguez, he gets paid quarter of a million dollars to manage 15 schools, Janice Jackson gets paid a quarter of a million dollars to run 500 schools because she's in the public sector. Now, in addition to higher pay of teachers and support staff, the union asked that more money be spent on special education services for students on a program that allowed classroom assistants, classroom assistants, remember them, to continue their education and become lead teachers. The union also argued that the class sizes at the charter schools 32 students in a class at every grade level. Let's actually make that a little bit less. Thank you very much. Now, this is, this is what the charter schools... They themselves say that comparatively large class sizes allow it to serve more families. 
Yeah, of course, because you get more money then. It acknowledges that its teachers who earn an average salary um, less than the traditional school teachers says this is because inadequate funding from the state. So they're actually blaming the state for this rather than the way they structure their system. And, the, and you know, Richard Rodriguez, he's taking a lot of money out of it. Now, this whole process is rather interesting because these are non-unionised labour that have recently become unionised. I say, we're actually just sick of it. Now, about 11% of America's 7,000 charter schools are unionised. Okay, so there's very small numbers of unionised teachers in these schools, but they're still going on strike. Now, in... Ironically, there was a fellow called Al Shanker in America who popularised the concept of charter schools back in the 1980s, and he was a union leader. He intended them as laboratories for educational innovation, but since he's become a very fierce critic, when reformers began using charter schools not to improve education, but to open non-union schools. Of course, well, yeah, what did, sorry, sorry, Al, what did you expect? Now, as the nation's charter school grew, grew rapidly from 1980s to today, it now serves across the United States over 3 million children. It developed a complicated relationship with organised labour. Union leaders accused charters of leeching students and funding from traditional public schools and tended to oppose the expansion of the sector. But the unions also sought to organise charter school teachers and in some cases even opened their own charter schools. Now, when it comes to organising the charter school sector unions, um, some have goals that are in some ways in contradiction to one another. As Daniel DeSalvo, a professor at the Political Science City University of New York and fellow at the Manhattan Institute, said, he says, they want to win better things for the individual teachers but fight back against the system that they're participating in, he says. When teachers and support staff at Akero, formerly known as UNO Charter Schools, unionised five years ago, just recently, the non-profit that ran the schools was being investigated by state officials and was later charged with fraud. So the systems themselves are fraudulent. Now, the schools are originally tied up in the United Neighbourhood Organisation, a Latino advocacy group who were known for their English-only language immersion instruction for students from immigrant families. More recently, the network under new management has embraced a broader array of teaching strategies, including bilingual Spanish and English classes in the United States. And because, interestingly enough, these charter schools are going in and preying upon immigrant populations. In many of cases, many of the students in these charter schools are Latino. Some of them have over 90%. The unions demand the network move more quickly to diversify the instructional staff because, yes, they are preying upon immigrant populations, but then the teachers that they put in those situations aren't from those populations, and so you get these strange mixes. But, as Randy Weingarten said, this is just the beginning. This activism is contagious. Um, a couple of decades ago, this whole charter school thing was some big shiny object, but now um, this is a different generation, she said. We're going through growing pains and what you're seeing is a bunch of very different charter schools is that teachers are saying, we just want to make a career in these schools. If you're going to have these systems, then you're going to have to organise them like a normal state school because the kids need to be educated and we're teachers and we want a career to be able to do this. So it's interesting. Um, more than just that, how did these charter schools come about? Because not all of them are for not-for-profit. Some of them are actually for-profit. And it's interesting, interesting article on Diane Ravitch's blog just today. Um, she's talking about a woman called Alice Walton. Now, Alice Walton is not just anyone. Alice Walton is the richest woman in the world. Alice Walton 
has a personal fortune of $46 billion. Oh, that leaves uh, our Gina some way behind, doesn't it? It does, but she spends a small part of her fast fortune on undermining public education and undermining democracy. Well, she's got the money. Democracy, she doesn't need that, does she? At every election that pits public schools against privatisation, Alice Walton throws a couple of million dollars to support privatisation in education. Imagine the praise issue would go if the Walton Family Foundation changed its direction and supported public schools, schools that enrol 85% of all children in the United States, but she doesn't. So why? Um, I think that's a question we're going to ask over weeks to come. Why do extraordinarily rich, rich people hate public education? Well, perhaps they hate democracy. Well, that's uh, a bigger dealing, question. Yes, we're dealing with plutocrats. Oh, well, I think... Oligarchs, oh, well, the oligarchs. We're just the dogs program. I think we'll give that to Joe Toscano in the morning. He can talk about that more effectively than we can. Look, you've been listening to the dogs program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. We've come to the... Coming towards the end of our program. We've got another 15 minutes left, and I do want to take some time to talk about some good news, to talk about a great state school here in Victoria. Because a great state school... I'm going to talk about a great state school that doesn't actually exist but it kind of does as well. I'll, I'll tell you more. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses. Refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a Positive relationships with each other, with teachers and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast and so there's, there's food on... If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 94198377. State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Yeah, this week we're talking about a school in Thornbury. It's a school in Thornbury that has 4,000 students. But none of the students are in Thornbury because I'm talking about the Distance Education Centre. Now, the Distance Education Centre, um, I've just recently discovered about this, and I have to share it because it's just such an amazing place. 4,000 kids from around this, around this great state of Victoria go to school, but school actually, it's, not, it's kind of the opposite. School goes to them. Um, They are distance education. And the fascinating thing about distance education I've discovered is that distance education is not about children at a distance. It's it's about children who are anywhere. 
Now, if you want to talk about values, and I love it when when, when private school people want to talk about values, let's talk about values. Let's talk about us, the taxpayers, putting money into an organisation that makes sure that no child falls between the cracks. It doesn't matter if they're in the bush. It doesn't matter if they haven't even got the internet. It doesn't matter. They will get an education because we, the people of Victoria, have values that mean that every child has an opportunity to have an excellent education. It doesn't matter where they are and it doesn't matter what their circumstances are. Because this school is the school that picks up all the children that fall between the cracks. And it's interesting because the kids that go to this school, this distance education school, which is run out of a place in Thornbury, are pretty much everyone. They're the rich kids, they're the poor kids, they're the kids in the middle. There's about 15% of the kids come from very poor backgrounds and about 20% of the kids come from very rich backgrounds. And all the rest are in the middle. So who are these kids? Who are they? It's absolutely fascinating. Let let me tell you. Firstly, it is a virtual school. This school offers 137 courses online from prep to kindergarten all the way up to VCE, also including VET subjects. So 137 different subjects online. It has an annual enrolment in excess of 4,000 students, from, as I say, from prep to year 12, and it's, in fact, the largest state school in Victoria. It has around 1,500 students who are enrolled full-time, about 2,500 students, most in year 11 and 12, who complete subjects with us but are actually based in other schools because not every school can offer every subject, but Distance Education Centre can. The Distance Education Centre has recently launched Australia's first prep to year 12 pedagogical model for online learning, strengthens the role as a systems leader and building goals of consistency to provide high-quality, targeted teaching practice. So they're actually training the teachers to do this as effectively. It's instantaneous, this school. It's real-time, it's interactive, and it's learning um, is it's actually the key to everything they do. Teachers developed engaging learning materials, so they're developing their own materials to support exactly what they do. So who are these kids? Well, they are kids out the back of beyond. They are the kids in the bush. And for those kids, yep, you definitely need some internet to get out there. So that's okay. That's what's provided by us, the taxpayers. I don't mind that. I pay taxes. Taxes are going to pay for that. Good stuff. This is not a place where the private schools want to be involved. There's no money in it, is there? to educate a child way out in the back of behind. Oh, no, there's no Catholic schools out there. There's no independent schools. There's no, there's no values out there. It costs too much. It costs Co- too much to run this. And that's right. It doesn't cost too much as far as I'm concerned because that's what taxes are for. So it's for those kids. But who else is it for? It's for students who can't get to school. It's for students with disabilities. Intellectual, physical disabilities of one form or another. That means that going to school every day, five days a week is just not going to happen. And do you know what? It doesn't have to. Distance education will come to those students, students with disabilities. It comes for students for all sorts of reasons. could just be complicated emotional reasons where school is just not working. That's okay. That's okay. If you can't go to school because of bad, bad things, um, school's going to come to you. You're still going to get education because the distance education of Victoria is there for you. Those are the values of the place. Strangely enough, I think this is fascinating, it is, the, it is the school of choice for elite sports children. So young children who are sort of travelling around and they have to compete around the world. So you've got kids and they're off at the world championships, the under-15 gymnastics, it's okay, distance education, come to you. 
you don't have to miss out on your maths test just because you're competing from Australia in the World Championships and you're 15 years old. Don't worry about that. Distance is there for you. So it's just this place that it's it must be an extraordinary place to work. I, I've I've never worked there, and I'm kind of tempted. That sounds like a really cool place. So you have this broad camera, and it's for five-year-olds and 25-year-olds. <laughs> like, it's for all the people. It's for all the children. It's for the youth and for the, and for the tiny little bumps. It's for people with disabilities. It's for the elite sports people. It's for people who live out the back of Burke. Well, out the back of Mildura, because it's Victorian, and that, that doesn't go to New South Wales. Um, how much does this cost? How much does this, like, because this takes everyone. If you turn up and say, I need an education, and they say, okay, yep, no worries, you you have one. Well, the kids themselves, and as I say, there's about 4,000 of them that are serviced. There are in this place equivalent teaching staff of about 140. So there's 140 teaching staff in Thornby that come to work every day, sit down at their computer and do real-time, in-your-face, interactive learning. This is not some sort of shut-and-forget sort of online learning thing where you have to tick the boxes and you get a mark at the end. This isn't, this isn't one of those pay-for-view kind of pseudo-gamified education processes. This is teachers in a place reaching out to over 4,000 kids around the state or indeed around the world for the elite sports people and such like and so forth. How much does, it co- how much does all of this cost... Well, guess what? If you privatise this, if you privatise this, I imagine how much it cost. The whole thing, the whole thing, costs ten thousand seven hundred dollars per student. Now, remember, it costs about thirteen to fifteen thousand dollars to educate a bog standard kid in a high school to an effective, and in a primary school, it's a bit less. The whole thing, ten thousand seven hundred per student. Well, that actually ends up being about eighteen million dollars for the entire thing, lock, stock, and barrel. Man, don't you love state schools? I mean, if I was an accountant, I'd be loving this. <laughs> this is great. You are saving so much money. You're saving money. Oh, and attendance, by the way. Kids turning up to school, that's not really a problem. Because <laughs> the school comes to them, it's always available. So, look, I have to say, a really, really great state school of the week this week is something special because it's not really a school at all. It's the Distance Education Centre run by us Victorians. We should be proud of this um, for this week here. Well, that's extraordinary. Thank you very much, Robert. Um, and uh, I think that that's all that we have to, to say for this afternoon. It is indeed. We've been around the world, you know, United States. We've been through Trevor Cobalt's Facts and Figures, and we've been talking about a wonderful state school, which is a distance education. Now, I was going to say it again. If you have a school that you want us to talk about, just give us a call on 94198377. Leave the name of the school, and um, I'll be researching it next week because that's what happened. The reason I'm talking about distance education is one of our... Regular listeners called up and said, check these guys out, and I did. But until next week, when it's been, I don't know, the fight has to continue. Once we've solved the problems, we won't be here anymore, but then that's the way it goes. But until next week, from the dogs, from the defenders of government schools, it's bye for now. Bye for now.
dreamed I saw Joey here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. Says I, him standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge. Says Joe, but I'm dead. Says Joe, but I'm dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe. Says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe, I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill, went on to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.